Well, we are deep into a teaching series here on My Sundays, and we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, we started in Matthew 4, uh, where Jesus kind of arrives on the scene and launches his public ministry and announces that the kingdom of God is arriving. And since then, we've been in chapter 5 and just started in chapter 6 in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's really about God's value system in his kingdom. If you missed any of these messages so far, I really encourage you, uh, I say this every time, just to go back, fill in the gaps. Uh, you can listen from your computer on the media player on our website. Of course, we recommend you subscribe to the podcast. That way it just shows up uh, in your podcast feed on Mondays or Tuesdays of every week and you never have to miss any of the teaching content. And I think this is really important. Um, the reason I bring this up every time is because as we're teaching through uh, a passage of scripture, like we are with the Sermon on the Mount, um, it's always good to hear everything in its context. So uh, last time, a couple weeks ago, uh, we opened chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew and we talked briefly about Jesus teaching um, about practicing our righteousness um, in order to be seen by others. Um, we call it the tyranny of living for the approval of others. And then we waded into Jesus' teaching on prayer in what we know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and beginning at verse 9, and that's uh, where we spent most of our time last time. We said that, first of all, that prayer, regardless of the culture, regardless of the time period, that prayer is a universal human behavior, that every culture in every point in human history has had some experience and some expression of prayer. So we said that almost everybody prays, but that also almost everybody has been frustrated with prayer. So uh, we talked about some of our common frustrations with prayer, and then we talked about the purpose of prayer, and then we asked this question, and we said, what if prayer is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued? And that's kind of really where we focused our time uh, last time. So today, I want to go back to the beginning of the prayer, and then we're going to continue on to the next section. Before we do that, let's pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time together. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way uh, around your word. And uh, wherever people are engaging from today, God, I pray that this would be a time of encouragement and uh, maybe to be challenged from your word, maybe something that's super familiar to us. May we see something in a new light today. And may we, above all, may we be able to apply it to our lives into the way that we interact with you uh, in our time in prayer, in our understanding of prayer. And God, I, show, I pray that you show us what you'd have us to see today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This next section we're going to look at is probably uh, familiar. Uh, it's easily misunderstood. Uh, it can even be off-putting to you if you're new to Christianity. Uh, but I think it can really help us make progress uh, in our relationship with God. So uh, maybe you're at the place where you're kind of stalled out in your relationship with God because that happens sometimes and you're like, well, I, I pray because I'm supposed to pray and you know firsthand that prayer can be really frustrating at times and you've gotten so frustrated that you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, uh, like it's your obligation, it's an expectation that you pray, but you're totally frustrated with it if you're being honest. Well, this teaching from Jesus here is at the very heart of the Christian faith. So let's read it, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about what that means uh, last week, or last time we were together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to back that up. 
<clears throat> this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about this last time, what, what that means. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we talked about the battle between the two kingdoms, between my kingdom and God's kingdom. Keep reading. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or sins, same thing, as we forgive those who sin against us. Remember we said a couple weeks ago that prayer isn't a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. And the part of this prayer that we instinctively go to is the part that you could call a list, all right? Because uh, you know what? We have a list. I have a list. You have a list. This is sort of the part of the prayer that is the invitation into our list. Even if you haven't been around church for very long, you've figured out just from listening to other people uh, pray uh, that you can have a shopping list when you pray. You've heard other Christians talk about, well, I've got a prayer list. I'm going to put you on my prayer list. Maybe you've got some bad news or you've got a big decision to make or you're talking with someone and they're like, well, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. And, and maybe you're you're talking with somebody and you don't even think there's anything wrong with you, but apparently they do because they've told you they're going to put you on their prayer list. Sometimes there are just things that, uh, that you want, you know, because you have a job, but it's not the job you want. You don't like the job you have, so you put that on your prayer list. Or maybe you don't have a spouse or you don't like the spouse that you have, so you put that on your prayer list. It's kind of like the shopping part of the prayer. The invitation to pray through our list, the closest we ever get to it in the Lord's Prayer is this, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So God is inviting us to make a list and on that list we can talk about things that we need or that we really want. And I think that's great because that's how most of us use prayer. We don't pray until we have a need. You know, all of a sudden things aren't going well financially or things aren't going well relationally. You can't see a way forward, and so now we need to pray. Or you have like an outdoor event scheduled for next Saturday afternoon, and there's rain in the long-range forecast. You put that on your list, and you really, really need to pray. And we just tend to go to God with our list. It's like, God, I, I need you to give me some stuff. God, I need you to do some stuff uh, here for me. There's some stuff here I could probably do on my own. I could probably do something about it, but I would really appreciate it if you would just do it for me. That'd be so much easier, God. I really appreciate it. That'd be great. Thank you. Oh, and if you'll do it this time for me, this time, if you'll just, just kind of come through for me, the next time I'm in church when we're all together, I'll put an extra five in the offering box, okay? And I'll sing extra loud, and I might even smile. You know how um, so many of us have treated prayer over the years? Uh, not everyone, not all Christians, but many of us look at this part of the prayer as an opportunity to ask God for what we want, it's like, let me pass my finals, let me get into this school, let me get this job, let this relationship go well, uh, let me get this new car, let us be pregnant, or let us not be pregnant, because some of you maybe have prayed that, right? And it's like, what do I want? And we say, God, give us our daily bread, but we don't really want bread. We don't want plain old white bread. We want the artisan loaf. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, we don't really want our daily bread. We want our daily dessert. That's what we really want. Because like, God, I need a new phone. God, I, want a, I need a better phone. I mean, my Bible app would look so much better on that new phone. Because it's been like eight months since I got a new phone. And we just want our daily dessert. We want, you know, the artesian spring water from, I don't know, Norway. Because that's what we want. Because the water from Maine or the water from our well just isn't good enough, right? 
And I know it isn't always that trivial, uh, but we want what we want. And sometimes we get very specific, and sometimes it's kind of ridiculous. But we like to be honest here at our church, so to be honest, I pray through a selfish filter. And you probably do too. We want a better this, we want a newer that, we want a top grade something else. And we read this verse, give us today our daily bread to mean that I can pray for what I want, so what do I want? But if you look at the text, what it actually says, I think we'll find that it will rein in our praying through our wish list because the text doesn't say, give us today our daily dessert. It doesn't say, give me this year's newest model. It doesn't say, this job is okay, but give me the job I want. Better still, how about if I just win the lottery this week? It doesn't say, God, give me what I want at all. Remember, Jesus is teaching 2,000 years ago, and the way he phrased it was, give us today our daily bread. Give us today. Do you just pray about today? Because when I pray through my list, I mean, I want enough for tomorrow, and I want enough for next month, and I want enough for years down the road. See, this is a, a trust issue because we tend to define trust as, God, you need to give me enough so that I don't have to worry for a while. I want you to give me enough job, a secure enough job, and a healthy enough relationship, good enough health, that I don't need to worry for a while. <laughs> that's how we pray, but that's not really present in this prayer. And this, the phrase that is the closest to, you know, pray for what you want, it, it, it's not even what it says. And so if you're looking for a shopping list, this is as close as it gets, and it's probably not saying what we think it's saying. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. So give us today, not for the next 20 years, so I never have to think about it again, you know, so you never have to be concerned, so you're like set on that area. No, he just says, I just want you to trust me today. There may be a couple exceptions out there, but I'm just going to take a wild guess that most of us have enough food to get through today, right? In fact, you probably have enough in your house for tomorrow. You might even have enough to get you through the whole week. And if you don't have enough in your pantry right now and in your fridge right now, you got a pretty good idea where the rest of it's coming, that there's more coming in. But Jesus lived in a day when literally it was give us today our daily bread, where people didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Give us today our daily bread Oh, but God, we want the dessert too. And it's like Jesus is changing the question because we ask, what do I want? And Jesus says, there's another question you should start asking because like my wants are endless. And I don't know about you, but as soon as I get something, uh, I kind of am on to the next thing. I want the next thing. But he says, instead of asking, what do I want? Why don't we ask, what do I need? What do I really need? And then Jesus, because he's teaching us how to pray, he doesn't leave it there. He says, okay, you show up with a list. I'm going to give you a couple of lists of my own. In fact, I'm going to move you from one list to three lists. And he kind of surprises us because he shows up with a couple things we weren't really expecting. And maybe we're so familiar with this, we skip right over it. And we're like, well, I was comfortable with bringing my list. I was okay with my list. And now you just blew up my list. This isn't cool, Jesus. So Jesus says, after you pray through your needs your needs, 
And it's weird because he just kind of touches on this and then he kind of skirts around this needs thing and then he goes on to the next part of the prayer. And I know, it's like, I know you want to talk about your list and your needs and your wants and how do we, you know, know the difference, first of all, and how, what filter do we apply to that? Uh, but Jesus just moves on to the next part of the prayer. So let's read it again in its context. Verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Verse 12. And forgive us our sins or our debts. It's like Jesus is saying, so you've got a list. You've got a list of stuff that you want. Your Heavenly Father has a list, and it looks like this. First of all, where do I need forgiveness? There's a whole other list that we don't ever think about. Where do I need forgiveness? And Jesus is reminding us that there are areas of our lives where we need to be forgiven. And this is the part we don't like. We have, you know, we've sinned and we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God, and we need forgiveness from other people. And I know this is really hard when you put the mirror on yourself and ask, where do I need forgiveness? Where will I allow God and other people access to look into my life through, uh, through, the, through this on, lens of honesty where they can see the cracks, that they can see the problems on the inside? Because here's what we're going to be tempted to do. We're going to get to this forgiveness part and we're going to talk about all the sin that we see in someone else's life. And we're going to want to like confess their sins for them. You'll confess your husband's sin and your wife's sin and your kid's sin and your boss's sin. Lord, when they do that, it just drives me crazy. So please forgive them while you're at it. Change them. But no, 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 no. This is about you and this is about me. This is about us. When was the last time you prayed a prayer of confession? And listen, the goal of confession isn't to make you feel guilty. The goal of confession is to bring you to the place where you understand that your heavenly father loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven. And forgiveness is offered in the name of Jesus. And our heavenly father offers that to you and to me. So where do I need forgiveness? Where do you need forgiveness? So for some of us, see, that's a brand new category. I don't know, maybe you honestly uh, try to pray the Lord's Prayer this way, and you get to this part, and you're like, okay, now where do I need forgiveness? Hmm, I can't think of anything today. I'm pretty awesome, so I don't really know. Well, if you're not sure, ask somebody who knows you well, uh, because they'll tell you. Ask somebody who cares more about you than they do about the state of your friendship, because they'll tell you. Ask some people, what's it like, this is a great question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because most of the time, like, I'm sure it's awesome, but sometimes it can be not so awesome. Where do I need to grow? Where am I falling short? And maybe you've always thought of, of sin as uh, things that you do. You know, that list of things that you aren't supposed to do because you're a Christian. You know, you got this checklist and you got to make sure that you're good in those areas. Let me just suggest a different perspective. And this could really result in an entire paradigm shift in how you relate to your Heavenly Father. But you realize something, uh, that sin isn't just something you do, but it's also something you are. There are character stains that we need to work on. There are things in our lives where God is saying, let me just get a little bit closer. Let's do a little surgery on your soul. Let me get a little closer because there's stuff. And I know we worked on some stuff in the past. And I know like five years ago, we worked on some stuff and that's great. And there's some new stuff. Okay. 
there's maybe some new stuff that's been revealed by the stuff we worked on a while back. The New Testament calls this sanctification, which is the process of being made holy. It involves a renewing of our minds and being remade by God and by His Spirit. But if we will allow ourselves to stop focusing on the failings and the shortcomings and the weaknesses and the sins of all the people around us, and we'll turn the light on ourselves, and we'll be honest with who we really are, it, it can be a terrifying journey, yes, but it's the most liberating experience. See, I believe God intends for us to live in freedom. And I believe as Christians we are forgiven, but so few of us ever really live in the freedom that our forgiveness provides. Because we've never really learned to confess, we've never learned to acknowledge and recognize our own sin. And until we do, listen, we'll be forgiven, but we'll never truly experience the freedom that comes from being forgiven. Here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father doesn't invite us into His presence in prayer, and He doesn't invite us to confess our sin so that He can condemn us, all right? He invites us to this place so that we can experience His forgiveness. And there's no question about whether or not God's going to forgive you. Your, your forgiveness is guaranteed through the blood of Jesus. When you start to peel back the layers and you start to get honest with yourself and with others, you discover some things about yourself. Maybe you'll discover that you're more jealous than you thought because you've always thought that God didn't give you enough. Maybe you'll realize that you're more angry than you thought because anger says, you owe me, she owes me, he owes me, God owes me, my boss owes me, my ex owes me, everybody owes me. But when you're honest in this, in this process, you'll realize that when it comes down to it, you're angry. And you aren't just angry in situations, that's where it comes out, but you're angry in general. And God's going to call you to take a look at that. See, people who confess their sins grow. Because God's asking, can I get a hold of your life? Can I get a hold of your soul? Because when I do, we're going to work together to grow you. Since I was a teenager, I've always had people in my life who would say the hard things. And it seems like God is always wanting to work on something new in me. And sometimes I'm like, can we just be done now? Can we take a break? Can, can, like, aren't I there yet? Uh, but no, because this, this isn't heaven, so I've still got some work to do. And I've had to learn this, that I shouldn't say I've learned it. I'm going to say I'm in the process of learning this, that if you're defensive, the people in your life won't tell you the truth. And if they don't tell you the truth, you won't grow. The most stagnant times of my life have been when I've been defensive and when I've been resistant to the truth and the voices of the people in my life. And I've had my explanations already and I've been defensive. And when I've been defensive, I don't grow. So, list number one is what do I need? List number two is where do I need forgiveness? There's a third list. Verse 12 says, as we forgive those who sin against us. So, okay, okay, okay. So give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So list three is, whom do I need to forgive? This is kind of where God wants to take us and he would say, uh, I'm going to give you some suggestions. What about your boss? What about your ex? What about your step-parent? 
What about your adult kids and their poor choices? What about your friend who betrayed you? Uh, what about your ex? Oh, did I say that already? Who are you angry at? See, we show up with a list and God says, fine, I'll listen to your list. Tell me all the things you, you want and, 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 uh, and let's focus on what you need. Uh, but I've got my own list. And before we get to my list, let's remember that I forgave you. And this is so important to Jesus at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. He says there's a good chance that there's a part in here that we missed, the forgiveness part, because we're so focused on what do I need, what do I need, what do I need, and maybe some wants, and yeah, I need forgiveness, I guess, you know, there's still some room maybe for improvement in my character. But Jesus says there's a whole other part that you probably missed, and it's who do I need to forgive. And he basically says, if you don't forgive the people who've wronged you, your heavenly Father won't forgive you. And we're like, what? Did I read that right? What? If I don't forgive the people who wronged me, my Heavenly Father won't forgive me. And we like to skip over that part, but that's what it says, that if we don't forgive those who've wronged us, our Heavenly Father won't forgive us. And uh, admittedly, there's lots of room for theological debate on this one, but at the very least, okay, let's just bring it down. I think Jesus gives us this instruction so that we aren't guilty of hypocrisy. When we come to God asking for His forgiveness, when we ourselves aren't willing to forgive, because we're like, yeah, well, I got good reason not to forgive that person who's wronged me because you don't know my story. Let me tell you my story. You know, it's a nice thought, but it's pretty hard when, you know, they're being a big jerk. It's pretty hard when they won't forgive me. You know what's interesting is the word used for forgive here in Matthew 6 is the same word that we use in English for things related to financial implications or with financial implications. That's why in some versions of the Bible it says debts and debtors. It's like going to the bank and saying, well, okay, I know, uh, Mr. Bank Officer, I know that uh, we have that big mortgage on our house, but we're thinking it'd be really nice if you would forgive that. See, that's the word that we use. Would you forgive the mortgage on our house? So Jesus is making a point here that we need to forgive even if it costs us something. I mean, imagine if someone borrowed some money from you, and, and, and just to make it interesting, let's say someone borrows $10,000 from you, okay? It's a lot of money. Let's say you take it out of your retirement fund or whatever. I mean, there's a significant, that's a significant amount of money. And what if, what if after you agreed on a payment plan, what if they aren't paying you back? And you're frustrated, you're angry. The word Jesus uses here in that situation, it'd be like forgiving the loan. But yeah, but yeah, but Jesus, they owe me. Well, if someone truly forgives, it's like, so, so, okay, so what do I owe you now? What's my balance? Well, you don't owe me anything. It's forgiven. And Jesus says, your heavenly Father forgave you and it cost him something. So you are to forgive the people in your life who've wronged you and it will cost you something, but you forgive them anyway. You wipe the account clean, the balance is zeroed out and they don't owe you anything anymore. And yes, there was actually a wrong committed. And yes, they contributed to the demise of, say, your relationship. And yes, maybe their decisions led to a financial mess that you're in. And yes, they made a mess of things in general. And maybe they took money from you. Forgive them just as your father has forgiven you because your forgiveness cost God dearly. And that's hard. 
Because we like to approach prayer going, you know, here's my list, God. You paying attention, God? It's kind of long this morning. Got a lot of stuff I need going on here today. And God's like, that's fine. I'll hear it. And then I've got my list too. Can you imagine if the church was made up of people who took their sins seriously? Can you imagine if the church was marked by radical forgiveness? I mean, forgiveness that just doesn't make any sense at all. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is an invitation uh, into prayer, and it's an invitation into relationship that's characterized by intimacy. And if we'll start praying like this, it's virtually impossible to stay angry with someone that you pray for. If you're angry with someone and you've been angry with them for years, the way to get over that is you start praying for them. And if you're like, well, that doesn't work. I've been praying for them and I'm still angry. Well, maybe that's because you haven't been praying for them. Maybe you've been praying against them. Here's what I mean. You've been praying like, God, change them. Or God, get even with them. Or God, show them who's boss. And when you start praying for them, that's a, from a position of humility. When you're praying for their well-being, when you're praying for their spiritual health, when you're praying for the blessing of God on them, it's virtually impossible to stay angry with somebody that you pray for like that. I don't know, you're still wondering, but what about my needs? Because I really would like to hear about that. When do I get to pray for the stuff that I need? Because I got some stuff that I want to. Uh, when do I get to pray about that? Listen, your need to be forgiven, your need to live in the freedom that comes from forgiveness through Christ is greater than any other need that you think you have. It's at the top of the list. Your need to forgive and be forgiven is greater than any physical or financial or relational need that you want to pray about. And I think that when we come to God and he, 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 he uh, says our list, you know, our list of needs and maybe a few wants, and I think he says, okay, let's get your needs uh, met. Maybe not right away, maybe not in the way that you uh, kind of anticipated and expected, but let get, let's get your needs met. But let's get started on this list over here. That's good, I can handle that. Now let's go here. Let's get to my list. Let's get to where, where do I need forgiveness? Whom do I need to forgive? And uh, I know this might have totally wrecked prayer for some of you. Sorry about that. Please forgive me. But the prayers, listen, the prayers that you don't want to pray are often more important than the, praise, the prayers that we want to pray. And that was hard for me to say, so I'm going to say it again. The prayers that you don't want to pray are often more important than the prayers you want to pray. And most of the time, the prayers that we actually pray. But if we will do this, if we'll get past my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. Here's what I want. Here's how I would need for that to roll out, God. If we'll get past approaching prayer like it's a button to be pushed, if we'll spend some time, if we'll open our hearts, if we'll embrace the prayers we don't want to pray, and we'll learn, we will grow, we will grow comfortable with transparency and with intimacy with one another and with our Heavenly Father. So, how do I pray for my needs? Let me just come back to that for just a second. Again, I quoted Tim Keller earlier. I'll quote him again. He says, pray this way. Lord, meet my material needs and give me material wealth. Can we say amen to that? There's a comma, not a period. But only as much as I can handle without harming my ability to put you first in my life. I love that. Lord, meet my material needs and even give me material wealth, 
but only as much as I can handle without harming my ability to put you first in my life. Think about that. So God, give me enough for today. You might even give me a little bit for tomorrow or for next year, but only give me as much as I can handle, and this is different for all of us, without harming my ability to put you first in my life. Oh, and, and Keller continues, he says, because ultimately I don't need status and I don't need comfort. I need you as my Lord. I think that's a great prayer. I think that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is inviting us to pray. Well, we're coming back one more time to wrap up Jesus' teaching here in the Lord's Prayer. But for today, what's the application? What can, what can we do with this this week? I would suggest that we start with these uh, three lists. List number one, what do I need? List number two, where do I need forgiveness? And list number three, whom do I need to forgive? And if we'll do this, I believe we'll add substance and vitality to our prayer lives. Jesus knew that my need to forgive, your need to forgive, would be as important as any of our needs. Well, thanks for listening. Listen again uh, to John Foreman in the words of this song, uh, Your Love is Strong. Father, you always amaze me. Let your kingdom come in my world and in my life. Give me the food I need to live through the day. And forgive me as I forgive the people that wrong me. Lead me far from temptation Deliver me from the evil one I look out the window The birds are composing Not a note is out of tune Or out of place Stare at the flowers that are dressed than any girl on her wedding day. So, why should I worry? Why do I freak out? God knows what I need. You know. Now advancing 
friends you told me that you are strong. 